Happy New Year, Celtics fans. As many of you know, Tick IQ and Celtics Beat are allowing our audience to win free tickets to upcoming Celtics games at the TD Garden. For a detailed list of all available games, such as the likes of Paul George and the Indiana Pacers or Paul Pierce and the Los Angeles Clippers, head on over to facebook.com slash Celticsbeat. That's facebook.com slash Celticsbeat to find out contest details and a list of games on having the opportunity to win free pairs of tickets to coming Celtics games in 2016. And if you want to purchase tickets to Celtics games or even Patriots playoff games, concerts, or your favorite team on the road, go ahead and download the Tick IQ mobile app. TIQIQ already has the cheapest tickets for all Boston sports. And now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available, as well as see all the top deals for games at the Garden, Gillette, and on the road. They aggregate ticket sellers on one platform and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store to download the TIQ app and start saving today. That is TIQIQ. And use the promo code BOSTON for 10% off your first purchase. All right, everybody, welcome to Celtics Beat. Uh, we're sitting in for Larry H. Russell. That's right. You're going to be uh, treated to a little bit of a shakeup this week. Yeah, this Sunday show is uh, myself and John Duke, Justin Poolin and John Duke from Celtic Stuff Live. John, it has been, at l- I, s- I want to say five years, and I know we might have done a couple of shows together in between, but yeah. this is like, it, I know that we're not going to miss a beat. It's going to be like picking right up where we left off. Well, look look at where we are, okay? It's like the old days. We got the Celtics now playing so well. We got Kobe Bryant in town. We get to complain about. I mean, it's 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 just like the old days, Justin. Nothing's changed. It's just uh, more the same. The days have changed, but the story remains the same. Well, you know, and that whole Kobe thing, boy, are we going to dive into that? Because you know that that's one of my strongest memories was <laughs> going to that January, I believe, thirty first game many, many, many years ago with a bunch of Kobe fans riding down on the train with me from Maine uh, into the garden. So that was interesting. And one of our uh, favorite writers, someone that kind of hitched on right at the time when the Celtics made the trade for Kevin Garnett, our guest today is going to be Mark Spears. So uh, definitely excited to be able to talk to him again as well. Yeah, I mean, Mark... We love Mark was always a good good friend of our show, Celtic Stuff Live, did great stuff with us, came on a lot, gave us a lot of insight to things that, you know, it is you can be in the locker room, you can talk to these guys. But he has an ability and, and has really done great things over at Yahoo and uh, it's gonna be great to talk to him once again. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is the 138th edition of Celtics Beat presented this week by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. I got my new Casper mattress and tried it out. It's so soft and comfortable. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics. And, I, you know, John, I think that read right there, that one is definitely Larry H. Russell's because I am not sleeping on a Casper mattress, but I'm going to have to go over to Casper.com backslash Celtics because it uh, sounds like he's getting better sleep than I am. 
He's probably sleeping right now. We're we're up here. We're going to be tossing and turning about the Celtics have been playing lately. Larry's going to be sleeping like uh, you wouldn't believe with that Masters. Come on he's, now. He's doing himself a favor by disappearing into the woods right now because the last two games, and I'll tell you, he and I talked before he headed out. And he said, you know, this is, uh, this is a great time for them to just go hit a whole bunch of small, lesser opponents and put on a winning streak, and boy, would it benefit this team. And uh, But he was really concerned that that might not happen, and now here we are two games later, a loss to the Lakers, a loss to the Nets, which obviously has draft pick implications potentially. Uh, I'm sure that we might look back to this game. We're going to face the Nets again um, in just another day, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. One of the other themes we have to talk about tonight, and we're going to maybe bring this up to Mark Spears too, but why is this Celtics team not able to win at home? It's ironic because the fan base is definitely behind this team, but they're rarely treated to a nice uh, outing on the parquet. Yeah, it it's embarrassing really at this point. You can't see a, a team that, that fights and scraps and you know, you'd think needs that little bit extra push that the fans would give them to put them over the top. For whatever reason, Justin, it seems like every time they show up, you, you're almost now expecting some sort of dispirited uh, effort from them. It, it kind of reminds me back of the 2010 team, the team that just a lot of cases very different in, in terms of talent, obviously, but so many nights when they just don't have it. And, you know, to, and, and that's the thing that kind of drives you crazy is the inconsistency of this team. You know, you had people, the, the, the analytics says 50 wins. I think the eye test for a lot of us was saying 41 wins. And <laughs> depending upon how much energy, how much oomph is in the tank that night, they're a 50-win team or they're a 41-win team. Tonight, they, you know, you know, it was tonight. It could be one <laughs> tonight. They're the a 24-win team. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's you can't even. Uh, it's it drives you nuts. It, it'll drive you crazy. It'll drive you into the woods if you aren't already there. Yeah, and the other thing with this team is the strength is their depth. And so this effort on and off as a collective, maybe one player here and there, especially after somebody like Kelly Olynyk, who kind of carried the team through a couple of tough games against the, you know, the other middlings in the Eastern playoff conference race, uh, you know, you think, okay, maybe he needs a night off. But when they're all camping out and taking, taking a night off, roasting marshmallows through three quarters and turning it on for three or four minutes at a time, and when you see what they normally play at their strength, you wonder, hold on a second. Okay, one or two guys, but not the whole team. You just can't do this, and they gotta, they got to start appreciating the fans and just not doing it to the fans. So this is stuff we're going to get into with Mark Spears. We'll definitely talk about the shift. I don't want to say shift of power, but shift of depth from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference. We'll talk about why the Celtics team is not as good at home as they are on the road and a number of other uh, number of other articles that Mark's put out that's got some good stuff. So we're going to hit that right now. Our, our, our interview with Mark Spears is being brought to you by Casper. Casper's mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. 
A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper truly understands and puts a premium on what is best for the consumer. They know the importance of truly trying out a mattress, something in which you spend a third of your life on. Therefore, Casper offers free delivery and painless returns with a 100-day period so you don't have to lie down in the showroom. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress. And to save an additional $50, as one of our audience members listening to us now, simply go to casper.com backslash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics. That's casper.com backslash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics. Terms and conditions apply. And now let's get over to Mark Spears. Mark, it's John and Justin. It's been a long time, but, uh, you know, we're filling in for the holiday on Celtics beat and Larry, uh, Larry H. Russell. And I just wanted to say thanks for, for coming back on with us and, and having a, maybe a quick conversation about around the NBA. What took you guys so long? To, uh, it's been like over a year, man. You guys used to have me on regularly. When I leave Boston, y'all, y'all don't care about me no more. No, Mark. You see everything. Why is it all the Celtics stuff? We got Paul out in LA. We got we got Doc out in LA. Rondo's there. I mean, it's like all the guys have come to you now. I don't know what that's yeah. all about. But uh, and then when KG retires, KG's going to come to California when he retires. So you know, this is where they all coming back to. It's funny now because you know I, I live in the Bay Area and I'm around Rondo a lot. It, it, the relationship I have with him now is great and. It, it, you know, I see Paul, and Paul is just, you can tell he's toward the end, and he's just kind of enjoying every game, and Doc's still Doc, KG, like, we all, you know, no matter what, I didn't play with him, but I'm still connected with that 2008 championship, having covered it with the glow with them, so, you know, always going to have fond memories with those guys. It's interesting, because we kind of, we've retired for the last three or four years, and uh, that's one of the reasons you haven't heard from us, but... This Celtic squad, since those those glory days, you have to think that they've done a pretty decent job of recovering. And, uh, you know, we look at, at players like Rondo, who you mentioned, and went to Dallas and had that hiccup there, but, you know, seems to be uh, getting back to his his old, you know, old way of playing and, and really performing. I mean, putting up the the crazy assists once again in, in uh, Sacramento and, it sounds like it's a good marriage for right now. Is everything going well for him out on the West Coast? Oh, you know what? You know, he had his, that incident, you know, with the referee and everything. But other than that, he's been having a great season. Uh, kind of got back to what he's been known for and passing the ball. He's he's made Kings players better. You know, Vlade Divac wants him here long term. DeMarcus Cousins loves him. And he said he ain't going to let him go anywhere. So, you know, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Rajon signed long-term to to stay in Sacramento and open up their new arena. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they could be a little dysfunctional of a bunch at time with Cousins and Rondo and George Paul. But, um, hey, uh, Rondo, the way he's playing, he's playing on an all-star level. And, you know, hopefully that incident will keep, won't keep him you know, from, from making the all-star game. Cause from a basketball standpoint, and I, I don't know if they give the kids two all-stars with their record, but you know, Rondo, I believe is still leading the league in assists and, um, certainly playing like an all-star again. Well, speaking of 
uh, I mean, to, to jump from Rondo and I, is it, to go to the other All Star on Sacramento, and and you know, as much as anybody, everybody's talking about Boogie Cousins here in Boston, you know, and you, you just mentioned it, the issue of the the new arena opening up. Is that a bigger reason why Boogie Cousins would stay in Sacramento? Uh, over you know maybe anything else or uh, you know because it seems to me that's you know everything that we talk about well they they like him and and Divac loves him and everything but is it does it really come back to the opening of that new arena and trying to reestablish Sacramento as a real NBA city through and through? Well, this is the thing that I think Vlade gets. Well, one Vlade loves the kid despite the dysfunctions. You know, Cousins is actually off the court, he's a really good guy. I mean, you've never seen him get arrested, never seen him get in trouble. In fact, he's about as generous of an NBA player as you will find. Um, You know, I I did a story on him. Uh, He gave like 200 kids uh, $200 gift certificates for uh, Christmas uh, in Sacramento, and he did the same thing in his hometown in Alabama. Uh, There was a kid that uh, got killed in a drive-by shooting, a high school football star. He paid for the funeral. Uh, there was a family that uh, got a car stolen. And then several months later, the father died in a motorcycle accident. And had that car not been stolen, he may not have been riding that motorcycle. It was the family's only car. And uh cousins bought the family a new car. Um and as he's got a really generous heart and his emotions on his sleeve. So if he doesn't like something, he says it. Um, and if he, he, he has a hard time losing. And, uh, so that's something that, um, certainly, uh, he probably admit that he'd have to, he has to get better at controlling his emotions. But as far as off the court and as far as an offensive force, I mean, he, he to me, is the most talented offensive center in the NBA. Um, he will be an all-star again. And he he's just unstoppable offensively. Uh, I think he uh, I don't think he gets traded from Sacramento. Um, even like I said, with some of the emotion, Vladi Divac loves him. I think I think he kind of realizes that when you're in a city like Sacramento, it's hard to get free agents to come. So if you if you got an all star player, it doesn't um, make sense to to trade them. Surprise if he got traded to to Boston or anywhere. Yeah, I mean it's hard. You're not going to find a talent like that very easily. And to uh, you've got him locked up. Why wouldn't you keep him? And to John's point, you know you're about to basically relaunch the franchise. You need the face of the franchise. You, you got to keep him. Um, and uh, you know the coach is is usually the casualty in those right in those instances. Unless the player is an off the court issue, the coach is always the casualty if they don't get along. Is, am I right? Yeah, but, you know, as dysfunctional as this, that house might be in Sacramento, I think Lade wants to stick with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, um, get those guys uh, to to work together. I mean, there is talent there, and they've shown the ability to win games. And, uh, you know, George is a good coach when, when it's focused on basketball. And, DeMarcus is a great player when focused on basketball, and and, and Rondo's kind of actually been the guy that's helped bring them together. Um, Sacramento looks like they're going to win uh, 
beat Phoenix, so they'll get a much needed win there. Um, so I, I, I think they're all gonna just <laughs> live and die together. Yeah. Well, and Rondo brings that, that veteran presence and, you know, somebody who's won a championship and can kind of bring that to that club as it's developing. And, you know, you did, you did write a great article on, on Santa cause and definitely anybody out there listening needs to go over to Yahoo sports and click on, uh, you know, search for you, click on your article. Um, it definitely portrays, uh, Boogie is somebody who is definitely interested in taking care of the community, you know, and taking care of the people and where he came from as well. I know you mentioned Alabama, and I know he's from Mobile. But um, what about also when we look at that? Now we're talking about the Western Conference, but there's been an interesting shift recently where I don't want to say that there's a power shift because obviously Golden State is killing it, and you still have San Antonio doing what they do. So I think the power is still in the Western Conference. But the depth has shifted from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference with all these teams that are battling for playoff spots. And at one point in the season, I think 11 of the 15 teams in the Eastern Conference were above 500. What do you, what do you think is, uh, is at play there? Is it just normal? or I mean, it's just so many years where the Western Conference has dominated. You know, I'm, I'm not buying yet. Maybe I'm holding out, but... You know, those Eastern teams are mostly playing each other, too. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to jump on the East bandwagon yet. You know, I think there are some really good teams in the East. Cleveland, obviously, uh, Toronto, Chicago, Washington should be better. Milwaukee should be a lot better. Um, but to me, there's only one team in the East that can really compete for a championship where right now I believe there's three teams in the West. and, and uh, that team is Cleveland, you know, in the West, I think it's Golden State and obviously and, and San Antonio and OKC. Um, Clippers probably would appear like one inch in the season, but they've been a disappointment. Same with Memphis. Uh, but th- those two teams are also capable of turning it around and being forces. Um, so I-, I like how the East has gotten better, but I don't know that any of those East teams really make the top tier of the West really shaking their boots other than Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. And we certainly saw in the finals without Kyrie, without love, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a team that even, even the, the iron of uh, the West has got to worry about. Um, Last thing from us, Mark, uh, I wanted to ask you your thoughts about certainly about the Celtics. You know, we talked about everybody else, but you know, we, They've hit some skids here. The Laker lost. The Nets. I mean, things have not been going well lately. Um, yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts on how Danny, other than you moving back here, and obviously that means Kevin Garnett or something of that level comes that happens again. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, what else can the Celtics do uh, to get them back? Or- well, I mean, I think Danny does what he did last time in 2007, and that is, you know, trade assets for for great players. I mean. If you think about it, at the end of that 2006-07 season, uh, there wasn't a lot to be excited about. I mean, uh, Al Jefferson was on the roster, Paul Pierce, team that could make the playoffs, but you didn't expect him to do anything. They had that great draft pick, and Danny was able to parlay that into Ray Allen and also ended up getting Kevin Garnett. And then, boom, they were right there. And um, the one thing is, I, I don't know that there's really any Paul Pierce on the roster or there's no, uh, say, Al Jefferson to dangle with a pick. You know what I mean? To me, that might be a little bit of a challenge. 
So if you're in Boston, let's say Boston, Sacramento, right? Yep. Like, why would that be attractive to Sacramento? Other than maybe, I mean, you might get a high pick, but unless if the if Boston gets a top three pick, they're not giving it to Sacramento for anybody. You know what I mean? That's probably not. You know, I'm guessing that if if, if they were to get a pick from the Celtics, is not going to be anything that's as good as Cousins. What do you dangle those picks with? As far as you know, in order to get that player, but there is a you know some players in this draft like I really like the kid from LSU Simmons. I really like the kid from Duke, Labassier from Kentucky. It's going to take some time, but I think he's going to be a really really good player. That kid in your backyard, done. I mean, if we if you guys are able to like land two of them in a draft, I think you're on your way. Perhaps the best thing might be is just to build through the draft and. Oh, how many picks you got next year? First-round picks? Three. Potentially four, but yeah. three is what it's looking like. Yeah, and uh, so they got your own, and who, who's the other one? Dallas, Brooklyn, and then the, if if Minnesota ends up 12th or worse, which I don't think is going to happen, we'd get theirs, too. Yeah, there's potential to bring in, like, two or three good players. I think it's going to be a very good draft. But – when you draft people, it, it, it takes time, and, and it's more of a rebuilding effort. So I guess there's probably going to be needed more patience that's going to be needed. But I, I'm expecting that next summer there's going to be more excitement, more some young guys to barring some, some big trade, unexpected big trade, where to me it better be somebody great to get rid of some of the picks that you're going to get. I, I think there's going to be some exciting young players added to the team next summer. But right now, uh, this team is greatly coached. I think the Celtics coach is the most um, one of the best coaches in the NBA. I think he's underrated. He does a lot with with not much. I mean, when you see the Celtics play, you know that they they're going to play hard. They're going to try to defend you. They're going to be gritty and they're not scared. And uh, you're going to get their best effort every night. So I think the coach has done a great job. It was a fantastic hire by Ainge. Uh, kind of surprised me when he did it, but. He obviously saw something that maybe a lot of others didn't. So I, I think you just got to put your, you know, he, he's made a lot with a little. Um, there's a lot of good. Everybody on that team is good, but nobody's great, which is, I think, is the problem. You know, <laughs> good enough to be competitive, but not great enough to, to do anything special. So this next year will be very, very interesting for the Celtics. And I expect Danny to hit some kind of jackpot. I, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It, it, it. Just real quick, did you see any of that Kobe stuff that happened in Boston? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, that was, what'd you that think was about cute. that? Was that a little over the top or what? I mean, that oh, it doesn't no, seem I, right, I, I right? Love, well, no, but I love Celtics fans where they they cheer for them during warm ups and yeah. and introductions, and then once the game started, they booed them. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> And uh, I think he's worthy of a piece of the parquet. So, you know, Jeff Twist, Ainge, you know, Bruceback and Pags, they, they, they're first class, man. They're really first class. And they they are good at, as anybody is, once you're a Celtic, you're always a Celtic. You know what I mean? They can form a player so feel special, whether they're Paul Pierce or whether they're somebody that played 30 games. I just knew that they were going to do something better than ordinary. And and of everything that has happened for Kobe so far, to me, that was the most memorable. So, uh, you know, kudos 
to the Celtics for just being the epitome of, of class in the NBA. Well, Mark, I know uh, I know you're you're all class as well, and you squeezed us in today, and I appreciate it. I know you're kind of in between two different events, but you know it's been awesome catching up with you. If uh, if John and I ever get back to the airwaves full time, you know that you're going to be on our show regularly as it once was. So um, yeah. it's just been awesome being able to catch up with you, man. Oh man, my pleasure, and uh, have a prosperous new year to you guys, all the Celtics fans, and. Thanks again for helping me with the documentary. We'll talk about that the next time around. But uh, love y'all, love Boston, and uh, look forward to talking to you guys uh, more in the future. All right, Mark. Thank you. Happy New Year. You know that documentary that was a that was a ton of fun. I don't know if you ever checked that out, John, on uh, you know on IMDb and some of the reviews yep. and stuff after we wound up bringing Mark on and talking about it a lot. But um, I believe it's on Netflix. So. You know, we have some history with Mark. He's always a great guest. He does an awesome job for Yahoo Sports. Definitely want to remind everybody to head over to Yahoo Sports and check out Mark's work. Um, you know, he's over there with Adrian, and Yahoo's really got got some good stuff going on over there. So I'll tell you what, though. We got to, you know, I agree with Mark's comments, and, you know, you knew this was going to be a big co- topic of conversation on this show. We We hit it in the opener, but... The whole Kobe Bryant thing, and not only not only us, but Larry uh, also wrote an article for CLNS Radio talking about how he thought that this was over the top and chanting Kobe again. That's that's you know what I am not. I'm going to have to agree with Mark. This is my stance, John. I'll let you run with it. I am okay with the Celtics organization, you know, sending off a player. Now, is Kobe really like a top ten? You know, people debate that. I say no, but he was an iconic player. Whether you think he's one of the best that ever got on the floor or not, we'll debate that all night. We're not we're not going to debate that tonight. But the way that they kind of, hey, look, Kobe's going to get a farewell, farewell tour. The Celtics organization takes the high road. They do something for him. I even don't mind the cheers and then the boos, but the chanting of Kobe and the amount of Lakers fans – that were in the garden, that's the part that gets me. That's the rub, and it's because I got a sore spot, still an open wound from from many years ago before we had KG. When this all went down, I had PTSD flashbacks, and I wasn't loving it. I, I remember the show. I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. The, the, when you, <laughs> I think it was a post game, and JB and I, and you were just, you were off the chain on that one, man. It was, it was hilarious. Uh, no, you know, look, I, I, and I agree with, I agree with you with, with Mark. I think with the way that the team handled this, A class, you know, A number one, first class stuff, the way you do it, what I liked about it, one, they did, you know, they gave him an ovation. People clapped. I think, you know, the boos by the majority of Celtics fans, good stuff. Parquet doing that off of the site, not in front of the fans, doing it, you know, I think that was the way to do it before the game. But again, I'm going to go with you and I'm, you know, we're going to, we're going to agree on this. Why? We've gotten to the point now for me. Reading Baxter Holmes' piece on ESPN about Kobe and his, his way he feels about the Celtics and and everything there, I'm at the point now where I hate Kobe Bryant's fans more than I hate Kobe Bryant. That's where we've come to right now. 
is that Kobe Bryant is you know the 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 you know the biggest villain I'd say maybe even more so than than LeBron James of this you know KG and after uh, Celtics time period the biggest villain of that time period and I now hate his fans more than I hate him because those guys are so delusional they think that Kobe Bryant is the second coming they think he's a top five player of all time and it, when you suggest anything to the contrary it's like they look at you with five heads it's unbelievable what these people think I can't believe it I can't believe it and and it, those people are so delusional that it, it's it's ridiculous you can't argue with these people Dude, I love like it, John. I was gonna say you're totally with you know you are me. You 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 channeled uh, Justin's from New Year's past and pulled him right in. But I'll tell you what, I totally agree. I do think it's delusional, um, and it's amazing. And, and you'll you'll appreciate this. But my daughter's teacher this year is a Lakers fan and went to the Lakers Celtics game the other night that we lost and i'm i'm not going to step foot in that school for the rest of the year i'm just going to tell you that oh, right now and it, and i'm not even lying to you when i went into the classroom and i saw the lakers stuff up on the wall there was a big part of me that wanted to change her teacher right then like march down to the principal's office and say no 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 this just is not going to work so we've had a couple of cordial you know parent teacher conferences but you know the, the i know it's all healthy you know, the battle between Celtics fans and Lakers fans. But that's why in your own house, when the crowd takes over, the, the cheering before and the booze in the game is great. Chanting Kobe like you're chanting MVP, that definitely put me off. That that I have a hard time with because I feel like I feel like our house just got taken over. Well, you know, and, and to go along with that, I mean, that tells you how delusional these guys are. I mean, he's statistically, he's having one of the worst seasons in NBA, NBA history. And these fools are out there going like MVP, MVP. You've got to be kidding me. That yeah, but that's the that. burn when he hits the three-pointer. Oh, that's the God. dagger as yeah. the game is slipping yeah. away. And you talk about this team not playing consistently. That exactly. game. And the Nets game yesterday are a perfect example of how this team like skates against lesser opponents. And the articles were everywhere before the Nets game about how they can't play down to their opponent. But they've had a knack of playing to their opponent, whether it's up or down. They played very strong against Golden State. But then they have a couple of stinkers now when they should be poised to take a second or third seed, like a real shot at it. If they'd won these two games, they'd be 20 and 13. They'd be right up there with the top with the second and third teams in the playoff picture and instead they lose two stinkers to two low quality teams and even worsen their chances for the draft pick in the coming draft by allowing the team who they're going to take the pick from to get a win right let's be clear the lakers win over the celtics is not a loss totally because it actually helps us get brooklyn to uh, closer to second uh, the second worst record. Of course, you undo that by losing to the Nets. So you know, I look. They, they were the preseason. Let, you know, kind of resetting the, the scope here. Back in September, people say, "What? What are they?" All the analytics folks say they're a 50-win team, 48 wins, 47 wins. I'm looking at this roster. I'm saying they're 41 wins, 42 wins, maybe. You know, and and they alternate. Like you said, between 50 and 41, or maybe 24, depending upon the opponent. 
but they need to get consistent. And I'm not sure with this roster and their depth, you know, one through 12, that they can do that. They need someone reliable. They need to raise the, the talent level. And ultimately, they need to clean out some of this flotsam and jetsam and try to get some spots for guys like James Young and Terry Rozier and Jordan Mickey and R.J. Hunter. Those guys, I'm not saying they're starting. I'm not saying you give them 20 minutes. I'm just saying you give them eight minutes a game, 10 minutes a game, give them opportunities to star, and boom, you're you're going to have a situation where you're you're going to be able to nurture that. You're not giving them minutes they don't deserve. You're giving them what they deserve, but you give them opportunities to shine. And I well, think that's really the, the way to, to success here. And they've complained about it in the media, and it was Jay Crowder who put it out there. We're not having any kind of a consistent you know rotation. It's causing us trouble. The depth does have the possibility of unintended consequences as much as it could be a strength. And I want to bring this up because we've talked about this um, off the air, but the way that this team shoot threes, even though they don't hit them at the percentage that would say this is a strong team. Now, I understand why Brad Stevens does it, and I understand they need to keep doing it. But what drives me nuts is when it's clear that the inside, def- the interior defense of the opponent is weak and they have that spot up three, and they take it instead of exposing the defense just to exert their will. Like, I get it. If it's open, you take the open shot. It's right there. But sometimes I just think that this team needs to go inside more to make those threes even more likely to be even wider open later. And the way that they get to even or down by two, that's they fought, and they usually fight by going inside, and that's when the three ball comes back. And I'm like, yeah. what are you doing? You need to keep moving it inside. So the three ball definitely frustrates me, and I wonder if the depth is why they shoot a low three percentage rate because they're just not – not consistently getting that many attempts. Well, I, I think it's. I think it, that that's one remedy is to kick it inside. The other remedy, I think, is driving the basketball. I mean, whether it's Isaiah, whether it's Crowder, even Evan Turner. I mean, those are three guys. And if Marcus Smart does what he did today, you know that you've got four guys legitimately that can take the ball to the rim. To me, you drive and you kick, and that's how you're going to get open shooters. When they're taking shots, three pointers, with a guy with his hand hand in his face, it's pointless, you know. And and so whether it goes in and and you're and you're kicking it back out or whatever, you've got to create north south, you know, movement. And this side to side, passing around the key and taking three pointer stuff. That's how they were really being terrible to start the year. Then they started going to the bucket a little bit, but. Without that, without that north-south stuff, they're garbage. The team's offense stinks. So let me ask you this question, because CSN threw up a a statistic today, or yesterday during the Nets game, and they said basically that Isaiah Thomas is fourth in the league in terms of driving attempts to the basket per game. But I want to ask you, do you think Isaiah Thomas, first, two questions, it'll be a two-parter, one does he deserve to stay in the starting lineup? Because he's their biggest scorer. There's a lot of things to like, and I'm not trying to get down on IT, but I'm just asking you, Does should he stay in the starting lineup, and do you like him out there finishing games? Because I understand he's the guy that gets to the basket, but he's also the guy that will spot up and shoot that three-pointer on the other hand. Yeah, I see, but I'm not worried about him taking – he's a heat check guy. He's, I think he's probably their best – the best guy. He's their best scorer, far and away, right? 
you're going to get some of that. And some of them are going to go in, some of them aren't. To me, the issue is what's going to happen? The whole, all three of them, Isaiah, Bradley, and, and, you know, smart. And, you know, there's, there, they seem to be like really nursing him coming back. That take that ball he you know he took to the you know to the hole the other day. I mean that's the that's what he needs to do. And if he's doing that consistently, he's the starter, he's the closer, and he's the everything in between. You're talking about the putback slam. Yeah, you know, and like to me, that's the stuff that his consistency allows everything to fall into place. I think. And then you know Bradley's playing his his tenacious D when you need offense. You know, you go with Isaiah, but I think like to me, smart is like everything kind of falls uh, around his ability and what he does. And when he's not doing what he does, things get weird and you have to rely on Kelly Olenek to be <laughs> your, your, your main dog. And that's just that's not a recipe for success in the long run. Can you draw the Chauncey Billups comparison with Marcus Smart? Because if you remember, this organization, thanks to Rick Patino, bailed on Billups <laughs> way early. And I remember, yeah. you know, again, big build, not necessarily great running the half court offense coming into the league. Lots of talent, could take it to the rack. I just, I've been thinking about this, and I haven't heard anybody else bring it up, so I wanted to throw it to you. But yeah. do you do you see a parallel here with Smart and Billups, and maybe Marcus is going to need like four years, maybe even five, before he's really got it all put together? Even though we yeah. know he's, I mean, his tenacity and every everything else, he has all the intangibles. But to really put it together and run a team, do you yeah. think he's going to be at the four or five year mark? I mean, is that going to be the the best comparison we can make? Well, I don't think I think I think Chauncey's a great comparison. I think the thing with Smart is he's really much more of a football player than a than a basketball player, right? So his build and everything, like to me, I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be four or five years before he's like the floor general. But look at what happened with with you know Billups. He went to a team. He went to Minnesota, and that's where things kind of fell into place because you had other guys who did other things well. He had KG doing his thing. He had at that point, I think Zerbiak was still there. You know, so you had guys who had talent. And right now, Marcus Smart is he can do a lot of different things, but he's and he's he's a great defender. But offensively, he still doesn't have like that go-to thing. Whereas with Billups, I mean, he became a big shot guy. You know, I think if you can get talent around smart, he's going to star and he'll find that level and he'll find that floor general inside of him. I think without that, he's. I think he's going to struggle for a little bit and he's going to really struggle to find his way unless he can figure out that he can go to the basket on just about anybody and throw it down in their face and probably get to the line in the process. And once he figures that out, look out, world. And that team, then the Celtics become a 50-win team consistently. Well, then you get the offense. So what this team really needs is somebody who can close out a game, create offense on their own. Yep. Evan Turner has put this team on their back the last two games, and he's a guy that I've criticized for not being aggressive enough when he does get inside. I've seen him what I consider not to be finishing plays, but yeah. but he did a great job, even though they didn't pull away wins, he did a great job against the Lakers and the Nets in filling in that role. And I, I do see an Evan Turner, uh, I'd see progress and growth from him. And I think he could become an even better player, but he is not going to be the guy or the man. And they need veteran leadership 
which they got this year they brought in, but that's part of the problem with the roster crunch. We all know we would love to see them to do a consolidating move at the trade deadline where they pare down the rotations and upgrade the talent. The question is, and Mark really alluded to this, and we're going to have to close in, in a minute here, John, but he alluded to it. It doesn't really seem like we're going to have things fall into place the way that they fell into place when the 2007 championship, 2008 season championship came to Boston. I think they're going to have to do it a different way. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing with, you know, I'm not going to question Mark too much, but the one thing I would say is a little bit different in that we had the Al Jefferson and he had had three or four years to, to develop a resume and to be that guy. There's nobody on this roster who has three or four years. Could Smart at the end of this year become that attractive a piece if he stays healthy? Yes, but he's going to need a lot of growth to do that. Also on the roster, though, they had given time to guys like Delonte and Tony Allen and Gerald Green. So they there was and Stephon Marbury. At this point, those if there are those guys, and then those guys are, you know, Rozier and 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 Mickey and Hunter and all that, and, and James Young, we don't we can't see it because they're being blocked. So right now, David Lee, gotta go. Gotta go, guy. Bye-bye. See you later. Send what about Tyler money. Zeller? Well, you know, if they could get something in return, I, I, yeah, I don't want to. I think I think Tyler Zeller can play. I think that he's being blocked right now with with Lee. Um, I'd like to see Zeller stay. I'd like to see what they can get because they could sign him this summer for I think cheap. Um, and I think he's got abilities, but I think Lee's got to go. I think they got to clear out. Honestly, I think they got to clear Turner out because I think Turner blocks the ability for Smart to have the ball in his hands more and be forced to do those things. I think they got to get rid of uh, um, I, I, Sellinger would be the guy that I would move right now. That's the honest. Al Jefferson piece. I don't know if he's Al Jefferson, but I, I know think he's not he's, Al Jefferson. Yeah. But he's this. He's your central figure in whatever move. I don't know. I don't know if he's good enough. Honestly, I think he might be. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He might be. If if what we see right now, which is uh, what we're prognosticating, which is the free agent class isn't going to be that great, you're not going to want to use both of those uh, you know, max salary slots that you could have. You might as well deal now try to move some of these picks, you're, you're not going to be able to use all three picks. Mm-hmm. And you have four second-round picks right now. You're not going to be able to use all those. So you, if you can get a deal and you can get a piece here, and it's not Markeith Morris, people, um, do it. Do it yeah. Do it yesterday. But, you know, Danny, he's, Danny's problem is not Danny. Danny's problem is <laughs> having somebody who'll dance with him and not feel yeah. like they're going to taken in the process i think the good news is those second round picks they'll be moved for future second round picks no problem uh but to your point nobody wants to trade with him that was actually on larry's last show and talking with you know sean grandy and uh another great friend of ours and i'll tell you what you know I, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> dude he would love that he would I love that <laughs> All right, before we go, we have to give a shout-out to LHR's favorite sponsor, American Farmers Network. Is your New Year's resolution, like those of many, to lose the weight and get healthy? Well, you can't do that without a clean diet, and science has now spoken. 100% grass-fed, certified organic beef is one of the most nutritional options out there. Let AmericanFarmersNetwork.com provide the staples to your path to effortless weight loss and optimal health with their array of pasture-raised and certified.
certified organic meat. AFN's animals are raised, cared for, ranched, and harvested on small family farms, not corporate-sponsored industrial factories. Don't listen to faux science regarding meat and stop consuming animals that were likely infested with antibiotics, growth hormones, and grain-fed diets. Human lifestyles for the animal mean an even more healthy lifestyle for you, and that's why AFN's animals ate right so you could. You could, too. Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and begin or continue your journey to peak physical fitness today. And, John, as we wrap, I mean, this was like getting right back on a bike, buddy. Um, it, was, it was good times many, many years ago. And uh, it's great that, that Larry gave us the opportunity to kind of take over his show while he gets some R&R in the boonies somewhere, um, gets disconnected from all the technology. And, you know, you and I get a chance to catch up. I know, right? Like, you know, Facebook and talking about people's the backsplashes in our kitchens and things. It's just not the same as coming on here and uh, complaining about Kobe Bryant like the old days. So it's it's been awesome. Uh, we got to do it again, and you know, hopefully, it doesn't take uh, you know <laughs> Larry going to the Willy Wax to to do it again. Oh, no doubt. And you know what? They really, this team couldn't have set up the show better. So uh, I just wish they, I just wish it would have been two narrow victories instead of two losses to set up the show. But that's, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Joshua Morse, Will Rock, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter, Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Celtics Beat to keep up with the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Mark Spears, as well as our sponsors, Casper, Ticket IQ, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, executive producer, Larry H. Russell, and my co-host, John Duke. I'm Justin Poulin. Larry will be back next week for another edition of Celtics Beat, exclusively on CLNS Radio. 